Welcome. You found the People Generic Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Swab. Today on the show, I have Holly Brock. Holly recently completed the Camino de Santiago in Spain, which means the Way of St. James. It is a pilgrimage of sorts with most people using the trail to grow their spirituality. Holly is a wonderful writer, and after the trip, she wrote down all of her stories and started her own podcast called Along the Camino. It became very popular as thousands of people loved to tune in and listen to Holly reading her stories about her own journey on the trail and how it changed her. During my conversation with Holly, we talk about her backstory, what the trail was like, and she even reads a chapter of her journal at the end. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Holly Brock. And here we go. We are recording. Very good. I'm with Holly Brock. Did I pronounce it right? You did. That's me. It's spelled a little unconventional. How, how did that come about? That is not the legal spelling. That goes oh. all the way back to middle school and just wanting to be unique. And it is stuck. And I like it. Yeah. but So your driver's license and your birth certificate and all that kind of stuff is with a Y, I'm guessing? Yes. So you spell it H-O-L-L-E-E. That's right. And my mom has gotten used to that over the years. So you trained your mom, you renamed yourself. You know, I think it depends on the mood she's in as to if she writes H-O-L-L-Y or uses the E-E. I think she, and she has that freedom. And what are the different, is it, is it a positive mood or a negative mood or playful? I think typically she uses E-E when she wants to communicate something tender or maybe dips into the um, now Holly, you know, Mm. then, then that's the why. Yeah. So that's like for us normal people who have our, our names, um, spelled how they were given to us. Um, that's when the parent uses the middle name. That's it. That's exactly right. But yours just gets adjusted on the, so does your mom ever use your middle name? And she's really, she doubled down. She uses the Y and the. Not anymore. Not anymore. That would be very interesting. I would love to know the situation where she would do that. I'm not saying it won't ever happen. I'm just saying it hasn't. It hasn't yet? Yes. Well, you must be doing something right. (laughs) Let's hope. Um, where do we start here? Mm-hmm. You, you live in Chattanooga. I do. On Lookout Mountain. Yes. And you did a very, you through hiked a very famous trail in Spain and I'm going to slaughter the pronunciation. So I'm going to ask you to say it. Yes. What is this? Camino de Santiago. Mm-hmm. And it means the way of St. James. So this is one of Jesus's apostles and friends really. And, um, he he loved Spain and wanted to take the good news there, and eventually a pilgrimage was founded as he became the patron saint of Spain. Where was the um, starting point? There's different routes you can take uh, depending on where you start. The where, where did James start? Well, he was in Jerusalem. Okay, um, and sailed over the Mediterranean. And the story goes after his death, his, he was martyred. Um, his, his friends took him, his body kind of snuck his body out of Jerusalem and they sailed. Well, they didn't sail. They floated in a stone boat. This is the story 
with no oars and sailed all the way through the Strait of Gibraltar up around to the west of northwest of Spain and uh, buried him there. Hmm. So this is this is how the pilgrimage route got established. So there's one main route. Um, is the is the body still there? Is it or is it like cathedral, legend or is this like really happened or? Isn't that a great question? I mean, yes, there is a crypt in the basement of the cathedral mm-hmm. in in Santiago, and that's where his remains are said to be. Wow. So, I mean, you know, real person, uh, the stone boat, I don't exactly understand, but, you know, so much when we're talking about things that are less normal or practical or something like that, we have to go to other means of describing it. Uh, Maybe they meant the stone boat just as in the gravity of the situation or something like this, you know, and, and maybe it wasn't like literally made of stone. That's the that's uh, the difficult part of dissecting history from what's true and what's legend and what's metaphorical and what's uh, literal. It's quite difficult. And honestly, I think that is such a good question for this day and age because we have we've basically said that truth is made up of facts. And I want to say facts can in no way contain the whole of truth. Truth is so much more than just the facts. And so we've done this thing where we we say, well, is it true? Meaning, is it provable? Is it, you know, empiric- empirically provable? And some things just aren't, but you, would, you wouldn't say that they weren't true. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, I think that's a great... Um, journey to ask that question in a fresh way about our experience and about the stories that have been passed down. Um, so yes, I agree. Yeah. So what made you, um, want to do this, uh, pilgrimage is what some people call it. Mm -hmm. This was planted in me and it's, I have a hard time knowing when exactly. I know that it was like a seed and it grew, but I don't really know when the seed was planted. So I do remember a friend, a younger friend, who took this pilgrimage and came back, and the the story that stuck was him in a field walking across a farm in a remote area and being having this connection with a rooster. And the rooster was just doing his job, just welcoming the, the dawn in, and yet they had this moment, which I think that that's mostly what people are in search of is moments that bring revelation or insight or clarity or healing into, you know, our lives. And so his, that moment, his description of that moment with the dew on the ground and this proud rooster, you know, who was just, uh, carrying out his his mission with such strength. And sometimes I think we walk right by those moments, but on a pilgrimage, you don't. Uh, so that, that drew me. There are many reasons why I wanted to do this, but I would say mostly it was an invitation. You know that moment you just described? I have a term for that. 
I call the personally I call those life question mark. That's my term for it. Yes. And I have uh friends who have adopted this term. And um for me it's when you have those it's usually outside a guy's camping trip or something like that, and you just snap out of your you just snap out and and you just pause and you look at the thing mm-hmm. and you're like life question mark life and then question. and then you jump back in and continue nice. that that's can i carry yeah. that along go for it life yeah. question mark life question mark very good mm-hmm. yeah so i i have experienced in my life sometimes where you are in you're physically somewhere and you're you're completely there yet and i'm not just going to say it's our minds although or I'll say it this way. It's not just our brains. It's our, if I'm going to say mind, I actually mean it's our like brain and our heart and our instincts and so much of us. Um, but where our bodies are somewhere and we're fully present there, we see what's around us. And yet we're also kind of, we can be somewhere else. And it's not just our imagination. It's, it's actually like a part of us is engaged, um, it's not really another place, but so an example of this in this, let me, if you're listening, just hear me out. A, uh, an example of this is when I was driving back from a university where I was um, teaching a dance that I had choreographed and I'm driving back and I'm listening to this audiobook about Joan of Arc and it's incredibly descriptive and it's talking about her passion and these bloody battles and how she just kept moving forward and rallying people. And I am driving and I think four hours went by without me kind of remembering that I was driving the whole time I'm seeing these battles on the side of the freeway and just picturing all of this. And so somehow I was driving this car. So I was fully present in that sense and yet I was on the battlefields of France. So I think, you know, when you say life question mark, I think sometimes we, we snap out and we're, we're able to see more of what's actually going on around us, not just what our eyes can see or our physical eyes, but, you know, our, our hearts, our minds, our, this whole expanse of history and human experience and like all of that kind of comes to bear and we, we, we see more of the whole truth. Do you have any um, hiking experience, through hiking experience? Not much. I I did train quite a bit, and Chattanooga is the best place to train. <laughs> Where'd you train? I would often get my husband or daughter to drop me off somewhere downtown and just make my way back home mm-hmm. off Lookout. Yeah. And, or just take off toward the back of Lookout. I mean, Elder has an amazing trail system. Signal has an amazing trail system. The River Walk, um, not to mention, you know, some of the satellite areas. So, if you just get in the mindset to walk, you can get anywhere. That's what I love. Yeah. Yeah. What did what were you getting up to mileage wise before you took off? Uh, there was one particular route that was, I think. 15 miles um and I would carry a pack and mm-hmm. um so I felt prepared I did and and actually you know the the walking was um the 
physical preparation, but the time walking was the, the heart preparation. Um, so I felt prepared all, all around. And I also felt incredibly sent by my people. Like they really blessed it. And did you do this solo? I did. So, um, you mentioned your husband and you have Mm -hmm. children. Mm -hmm. Um, were they supported over this in in Denver? Endeavor. Yes. And, and how long did this take? I was gone for about six weeks, um, hiked five of that. And, you know, there's some details in that. Um, there were a few rest days, which I was counseled to have, which I'm super thankful for. And I also biked a little bit on, oh, the, cool. on the trail because that seemed to me quite a different experience than walking. And, and so I was like, God, okay, I want to try this for a little while. And it was, it, I'm super glad I did it. So is this trail kind of not, is it marked? Yes. Can you deviate? Are there different routes? Yes. Uh, a magical piece to this is that there, you, you can literally walk all the way across Spain mm-hmm. following the markings. Um, so the shell, the scallop shell is the traditional symbol of the Camino de Santiago. And so it's either that or a yellow arrow. And the yellow arrows are the fascinating ones because the scallop shell is typically in the cities or the more established areas. But then you can be way out in the country and walking and many times thinking, I'm lost. I don't. And all of a sudden, magically, this yellow arrow is painted on a rock or a fence post or something. And it's the best feeling. You're like, I'm on the trail. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm. I'm headed where my heart longs to go. It's it, it's magical. In the era of cell phones are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Did you have a cell phone on this trip? I did have a cell phone, but I did not have service. I yeah. could, you know, at any point turn it yeah. on because solo, you know, that that's a that's pretty intense. Yeah, it is. Um, experience and as a woman, but you know, again, all that was part of it for me. I think all of that that kind of created an edge for me that was important. Where um. Are, are you staying at hostels or are there, mm-hmm. are there known, I'm imagining there's a known hostels. You kind of go from hostel to hostel. Right. Yes. It's, and they're all su- like supporting. Oh. Is, is it full of people that are all on, doing the same thing? Yes. It, it depends on the time of year. Some Sometimes like summer is very busy. Um, winter, obviously less. I chose to go in the fall because I liked, I didn't want to go in the super busy time. Um, but we're talking 1,200 years people have been walking this. So it's well established. And you do, you know, you have to be strategic, um, kind of planning out how far you think you're going to get. Right. But, uh, but yes, you can, you can find your way and you can find everything you need along the way. How, how many miles are you going per day? I... I keep want, wanting to sit down with a calculator and figure that out. I'm going to guess like 15. It it's, wasn't extreme in that sense. Um, and I love this phrase. I mean, I was exhausted, but it was more like extreme um, contemplation or, you know, as you're walking, you're having conversations with people that you just wouldn't necessarily in your hometown because you're so vested, like the stakes are pretty high. Um, but there, there's nothing to lose. You don't, 
Get a little deeper. You mean you're willing to get personal or or tell you tell talk about controversial beliefs or something? Is that That's what right. you mean? Yeah. That's right. Because you You're never gonna see him again. That's kind of Yes. The, so there's a freedom there that you know, it's not it's not the I don't personally believe that's the best way to live um day to day or like your whole life. Like that's the key, I think, to life is when you get to levels with your people where you do have to work through conflict and you 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 begin to be able to embrace differences and realize that that makes everything richer. Um, but you know, that's not easy. And so there's a freedom when you are with strangers. And the key is that they are typically in a similar mindset. They're fellow pilgrims. So they are, you know, they're contemplating, they're, they're going through their lives and wondering about things and struggling through things. And um, so you're kind of in the same mindset and you don't have any of the restrictions. Yes. Yeah. It's pretty cool. What made you um, want to tackle this? I have, there's kind of layers of reasons. My youngest child, I have six kids, and my youngest, I walked this when she was a senior in high school. So that season was ending. That's intensive mothering season was ending. And uh, so that that was one kind of instead of getting um blindsided by the new season I I was like wanting to step into it mm-hmm. uh not literally and um then also there's a great group in town called Nations and they they care for refugees um in town and I kind of I dedicated the walk to them and did a kickstarter kind of thing um not to fund my trip but to raise money for them to get to go on some sort of journey that they wouldn't they wouldn't usually get to do so that that was that was great i didn't want this just to be for me i wanted to see how i could leverage it you know in, in other ways um i love jesus and so this was a, a act of worship this whole walk this whole Saying yes and going on going on this pilgrimage was um, I really do feel like I walked with Jesus um, and deepened my faith and and actually one of my responses was writing about it and that has been a powerful piece to it as well and along the lines of hoping to encourage others you know again not just for me, although it was so for me, (laughs) but to also use it, you know, also see what could happen, what could be given back. Are you a writer? Yes. Now that's not to say I've had anything published. Sure. But that's also not to say that I'm not good at it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I have written a play, I've written poems, I've written a children's book. This particular project is quite unique, though. And um, yeah, so tra- I think it's important. Yeah, you brought your Trapper Keeper here. It's I sitting did. on the table. It's It looks like the whole story. It's thick. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the size of a Betty Crocker cookbook. <laughs> and uh, so would you journal every night? I tried not to journal, per se, along the trail, I tried to just absorb. Um, so all this was written after 
all this was written um, after marinating and um, and by the way, a Betty Crocker cookbook. Yeah, that's very descriptive. Yeah. I don't know the last time I've seen a Betty Crocker cookbook. I gotta gotta find one. Hold it in my hands. There, I like, bet you're right. They're uh, red and white, like checkered pattern. Okay, yes, like a tablecloth. You yes, would put, you'd have I can for a picture picnic. it. Mm-hmm. Okay, then yes, it's about the size of a Betty Crocker <laughs> cookbook. <laughs> yeah. So, so yes, yeah, so the whole experience was a huge gift. I highly recommend if it's in you, see if you can do it or whatever version of this that's in you. Yeah. Really pursue it because one thing I realized was not everyone actually wants to go on a pilgrimage. I thought, oh, everyone would want to do this, you know. Everyone no. would want to go on a pilgrimage. If no, they could. a lot of people just want to um, listen to this podcast <laughs> so they don't have to go or Fair listen enough. to your podcast, which you also have your whole story. Yes. Um, written. It's Thank in you. audio form. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It's called Along the Camino. So, mm-hmm. Along the Camino de Santiago. And there are 32, I call them stories, and they are. Um, They're different genres, though, even in the 32. So the odd numbers are the more imaginative, and I call it holy imagination, where actually Jesus shows up. Um, And if you're thrown off by that, I dare you to give it a try. You might find that Jesus is cooler than you might think. Uh, the even numbers are more just my ponderings. I'm kind of a philosopher and um, and engage with experience like that. So I think they're fun. I call them my playful ponderings of my pilgrimage. It's good alliteration there. Yeah. It- um, thank you, all my English teachers, for, for that. But yeah, I, I do. I mean, I would call it important. I would call it beneficial i'm impressed that you could keep all that in your head the whole time and um regurgitate it for lack of a better word well you know yes well it it you've maybe heard the phrase that issues in the tissues yeah yeah i'm a soft therapist yeah your issues are in your tissues that's right well so you know some that's kind of the the one one application of that but also all of experience is is in our tissue. So in other words, like I physically walked this pilgrimage. I absorbed everything I could, every everything I could observe, all these thoughts, all these emotions, new people, new sights, all that it was now, you know, in me. That's what experience does. That's I think why we are given a lifetime. Um and so it wasn't so much, I, I would say it wasn't so much that I held it in my brain. It was I held it in me and it just flowed out. I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I, I write a little bit too. If you get in um, like a flow state, um, you can basically put yourself back there with how you felt. Mm-hmm. And then when you write about the, the feelings, that's, that's, that's where the good stuff comes out. That's right. I, I know what you're talking about. The phrase, so your phrase, life question. Yeah, life question mark. Question mark. Yeah. My, the phrase that I would bring to the table is 
something called holy imagination. So lots of times we were talking about this earlier, just that we, we shut down anything that doesn't fit into the rational categories. We kind of shut it down, shut it out. And, and yet we were given imagination. It's a powerful tool. It's powerful, meaning you can't just use it any way you want to. I mean, you can, but that's not really its purpose. Its purpose is to remind us of the things that don't quite fit in the rational categories. And so I, I love this phrase, holy imagination, because for me, this is imagination that's rooted and directed by God. And you talk about powerful and not just powerful, but really, really helpful, really beneficial, really important. Um, so that's what I engaged with uh, after all this kind of marinated. That's really interesting. I've never thought about what the purpose of imagination is. Yes. Um, and it's it's to make sense of the non-rational that we deal with. Is that where you're kind of... I I do. I It's not... It's again, it's not to keep things in categories like, okay, this goes in the rational category and this goes in the non-rational. The goal is integration because that's, that's the whole truth. And, uh, I love the word imagination. I'm a logophile. Oh gosh. I really hope I said that right. I think it's a lover of words. Um, and, and so if you think about the word imagination, it has the word, the root word image in it. And oftentimes, I don't know if you're like this, but oftentimes, what's that saying? A picture's worth a thousand words. And sometimes when we allow ourselves to image or imagine something, that's when we, again, see more of the the whole picture. Uh, So I think there's a, I think there is a purpose. There's a really important purpose for imagination and I don't know when it started to happen, but we, we started chiseling out this huge chasm between, you know, rationality and, and the non-rational uh, faith in science, you know, all these things that were never meant to be separated. And we just made that deeper and deeper and wider and wider. And I think we're suffering from it now. I think, and that's why I keep using the word important of import this is of import to us now because those those were never meant to be separated yeah i think i know why it started happening though um, to say well it's like pain and suffering that did it because um in my opinion because you had uh you had god has the answers and then your child dies so then you're disappointed. So um, you try to look for, you try to pick apart, and this is goes across all religions. This isn't just Christianity, but then you just okay. try to pick apart all the um, mistakes that you can find in these religious practices, and you just don't stop. And and you need something to be rest assured on, so mm-hmm. you, you end up, just clinging to what is rational and then the irrational is out the window. I Mm. think that's just my off the top of the head analysis of that. I think that has a lot to do with it. And I think there's something in us that wants to know what's true. Yes. And, and then when you 
add pain and suffering, we do. We we kind of buckle down and uh, we get real serious about you know what's true and what's not. And uh, yes, I I think that's I'd I'd love to ponder that more because yeah. it's it's for real. And I do you agree with that that we're suffering because we've created these like. Oh yeah, categories and separated them, and I agree, I agree that we're um, just uh, pounding each other's heads against the wall, mm-hmm. and and um, people don't want to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. I agree with with that one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So when you, I love nature, and I think it's you know when we're so Luke and I face to face, and yeah. we're looking at each other, and let's say we got into a complicated issue. And we disagree. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're trying to work it out. Maybe, hopefully, we're trying to work it out. Maybe I get up and storm out or say, you know, that happens too. Sure. Or I delete this podcast. Or he deletes the podcast. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so we're here. Now, what happens, like, if a bear busts in that door? Guess what? All that stuff goes out the window. We have to help each other. And we, all of that is then put in perspective, in a different perspective that I think we've forgotten. And I think that's why I love nature because um, you walk out and you remember in some ways how small we all are. Yes. Um, we, we remember how much we need each other to survive. Um, we walk under a massive tree and are looking not just at the size of it, but the sheer like number of years it's been growing so it's not just space it's like time too that it represents and so i i think we it's nature is just it's a it's the perfect it's a gift because it's the perfect perspective bringer (laughs) for us and and if nature doesn't do it for you traveling is another perspective builder yes i'm a huge advocate that everybody needs to leave their little town to yeah. to peek around the the bend and see what's over there and then after that see what's in a different state and then after that see a different country and uh the more you travel and talk to people who think differently than you and the more you do that you just have this huge much you need, everyone needs a global perspective because mm-hmm. we like to think in terms of um country perspective if mm-hmm. we're lucky but not even that we mm-hmm. go to political party perspective or, you know, egocentricism is like this trap we Mm -hmm. fall into where we become the center of the universe. And that's our, that's our default, I'm afraid. So we have to counteract that. And I love that. I totally agree. Travel, nature, which is exactly what you did. Yes, but that's true. I did both. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. So that that's my i mean in some ways if i was going to say a life not really a life mission cuz that kind of freaks me out but a life hope is to try to speak into this and encourage us to come back to these kind of more foundational basic um things which requires a whole lot of humility which is not super valued in our culture. <laughs> but, you know, just come back to some more basic things and remember each other. And I think that's that's what Jesus was talking about. Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, consider each other. 
really try to hear each other. And I can't remember the politician that said it, but this is a long time ago. I think it was actually Jefferson to Adams, maybe. But um, let, let us not die before we have sat down and really heard each other. And I love that. Like, what, what if we could do that more? Sit down and really listen. I would love that. Me too. Go Chattanooga. We could start here. Do you feel not listened to sometimes? Not heard? Sure. As an overarching theme in my life, no. I feel, I feel heard. Um, I feel heard. What would you say? Um, well, first of all, I think you're in the minority if you feel heard. I think that's wonderful. Um, I personally struggle with feeling heard and understood because everything's so complex. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I, that's why I like this podcast. It's Mm -hmm. long format. You really get to talk about things. And, um, in our world, uh, we don't allow for long, complex ideas, so to develop my ideas to other individuals takes time and it takes patience. And um, I don't feel like I get to do that as much as I would like. But this podcast is helping me. Good. Well, I, you know, if you could catch anyone at the right moment where they would answer honestly that question, do you feel heard? I bet you're right. I bet um, most people would say, I don't, I haven't been given the time Um, and so maybe that's one of the biggest gifts we could give each other is the time. Mm -hmm. And I think walks are, I mean, what if that would be hilarious? What if we set up just a a buddy system? Anybody who wanted to meets at the river walk, you buddy up with somebody and you start walking. Just stranger, stranger walks. Sure. That'd be incredible. (laughs) Should start a meetup. Okay. Logging that. One more thing to do. Very good. Not a life mission, but a life hope. hope. Yeah, That's I it. know. I life know. Hope. Why don't you like saying mission? I, when I say mission, uh, I, I think I take it in my own hands. I make it like my mission. And I'm pretty sure I need a whole lot of help, kind of. And, and I'm also pretty sure that when I really give myself the authority to become the like authority. I just said that, but that still makes sense. Um, I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring it in a way that is not as effective um, because I'm going to put my own junk in it. Whereas a hope keeps it moving forward, keeps it fluid, keeps it humble. That's why. But again, remember I'm a, I'm a word. I'm a word person yeah word nerd word nerd yeah (laughs) what are some of your favorite words you said imagination imagination favorite words that's a great question i've heard that ladle is the loudest word in the english language i don't really know if that's true but i like it because of that um i love the name schultzy i go figure but i love the name schultzy uh i like to say the word most people say it realization, but I like to say realization. That's kind of a weird one. Um, I love my kids' names. I I think any word that wakes us 
up like that we haven't heard in a while. Like there's a great word fees, F-E-A-Z-E, and it means to unravel in the best way. Untangle maybe is the better way of saying mm-hmm. it. Love that word. There's some great words. What, out what there. made you interested in? I, I, do you speak other languages? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> you didn't and learn I, any Spanish. This, for this? I know this is really a sad part of my life, and believe you me, I I have put in some effort, and I just you know I'm 51 now, and I think it's time to say that is not my gift. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Yes. I will explore this language. I will go deep in the English language. How's sure. that? Sure. The English English language, though, is a convoluted uh, um, runt or no. What's the analogy? Anyway, it's a mixture. It's oh, like the so melting much. pot of all these other languages. So, well, it's difficult. Maybe that's a benefit, too. Could be. You know, if, if we learn to use it well. Um, and honestly, I think that... That is part of the gift of language. If we can more accurately, even with emotions, more accurately describe what we're feeling or um, more productively um, explain an idea, that matters. So I know it's kind of word nerd, and yet, it's, man, it's powerful. It's powerful. It's very yeah. important. Mm-hmm. And um, I was having this conversation with my buddy a couple of days ago. Um, it's so easy to get your words wrong. Mm -hmm. So you're saying something, you say a a term and, and you mean X and I hear the term and, and I think the word means something else. And that's a problem because language is fluid and it's Mm -hmm. always changing. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's difficult. So it is very important to try to use the right words, Mm -hmm. um, to communicate, Mm-hmm. clearly and also give grace like sure if someone has not used the word they intended to again it goes back to that time like hey to tell me more to you know is that really what you meant because that's what you said tell me more and mm-hmm. sometimes yeah that's what they meant and sometimes shoot no that's not really what i meant let me try again and that's why in face-to-face interactions are so important yeah so uh, the body language and the little twitches in your face and mm-hmm. expressions mm-hmm. help clarify some I- improper word usage. Yes, that's right. Body language is huge, which is why this time is really difficult, I think, for mm-hmm. our world. Um, we're trying to like honor and respect each other, wear the mask, social distance, but that takes away, like we were saying, this vital it does. communication and um, I think we should be aware of that. And, and even before that, I mean, even with, with texting, we have no clue what we're saying to each other. Yeah. How it's coming across. You can't yeah. hear the tone. No. Yeah. I used to hate emojis. I am all about the emojis now, which <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of like, what? But I am. And they're helpful. They're helpful. Sometimes, and I don't know why, actually most of the time, they have to come in triplets. It's like <laughs> I, I, to really mean it, I've got to put it down three times. So. Yeah. You know, that's a kind of signature move yeah, for in my you. texting. Uh-huh. <laughs> Were you ever nervous on the trail? Yes. There were different types of crises on the trail. And I was, I was truly lost once. Thought I was lost 
for a while once. Um, there were other moments where it felt, um, I felt threatened by, you know, someone walking nearby. Uh, there were times where I wasn't sure I would have enough water, times where, you know, my foot is developing a blister and what do I do? Do I keep walking or do I call it in the hopes of better future days? Um, what was your original question? Were you scared? Was I scared? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say the most intense moment was as I, I decided to go on past Santiago de Compostela, which is the, the typical end point of the pilgrimage. I wanted to go all the way to the coast to Finisterre, which is the Spanish word for the end of the earth, the finish of the earth, which is just, I love, okay. Talk about a word. I love that's yeah, it. Finisterre. Okay. Um, and so I walked further onto the coast and then I walked up the coast to Mushia. And those are both kind of, if you're going to the coast, it's worth going to both of those places. But in between Finisterre and Mushia, I wanted to take an alternativo route, which is alternative route off the main Camino. And I did that regularly because I love to be alone. I love to be in nature. And um, this particular one was, I was excited about it because it showed that it went along the sea cliff and that sounded wonderful and it would join back in. Somehow, even off of the alternativo or I got off of the alternativo route and was on this tiny, you could barely call it a trail. This vegetation is like slicing my legs. I'm bleeding. The wind is like whipping up from, I mean, I'm looking, I don't, 200 feet. Maybe that's too much. I don't know. But down at the rocks and the water crashing on the rocks and, um, I'm walking and I'm walking and I don't see any signs, no yellow arrows, no anything. And I just, you know, you start to wonder, hmm. Then the question is, do I keep going or do I turn back? And that, that was the tough one. And actually one of the stories I wrote is about that moment because I learned, you know, I learned a lot. And the funny thing, you know, so I start praying, God, I need, I need a sign. I need help. And here comes this white butterfly. Okay, so you're like, oh my gosh, this is like storybook. This is amazing. And the white butterfly kept going forward. And I was like, that's it. I'm meant to go forward. I was about to turn around and I'm, I'm meant to go forward. This is incredible. About, you know, quarter of a mile down. Guess what? The butterfly, not a quarter of a mile, a little <laughs> while. Butterfly turns around, 180 degrees, starts going back. I'm like, what? Wait, no. I'm like, follow the butterfly. This has got to be the sign. Follow the butterfly, go back. A little while later, guess what the butterfly decides to do? Go straight down the sea cliff. And I'm like, well, okay, okay, no. <laughs> and anyway, that, you know, it's kind of a silly, it's a silly moment. And yet, and yet not. Like it basically, I, I just feel like God was inviting me. It wasn't, it wasn't really which direction I was going. The point was that he was with me. And not so much about the white butterfly, but the whole experience was, was really about that. So that though, that afternoon was, that was intense. That was an intense afternoon. So that, that would be my primary story. 
if you're asking the question, was I ever scared? Yeah. Did you uh, continue going forward to the... I turned around. Turned around. I turned around. I went back and I found where I diverted from the alternative route. And you know why I did? Because uh, no. there was a poster of a bagpiper on these rocks and he was pretty cute. Mm -hmm. And I think it was just that moment of, you know, focusing on the, the hot bagpiper yeah. that I missed. I missed the sign. I missed the sign. So <laughs> fun story now. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> fun story now. Um, what would you eat along the way? Too many potatoes and pork. Mm -hmm. That was like the main thing. I almost ate ear. One time I almost ordered ear, but I checked it out. And so then I didn't. Um, but the, the animal, not the body part? No, the body part. The body part off of, of a pig? I guess a pig. Yeah. yeah. I guess a pig. Um, pretty basic. Pretty basic. and um, But you know, that, that was part of it. Do you, do you stop at restaurants or you cook food along? Do you cook both. in the hostels? Mm -hmm. okay. Both. Um, lots of picnics. And um, I ate the most perfect peach at the highest point along the Camino. I love that because I technically live in Georgia. Georgia's the peach state. Mm -hmm. Here we go. I was just like, this is awesome. Um, and I did go to a Michelin star restaurant in Burgos. Or Leon, and uh, cracked myself up because I ordered pad thai. That's yeah. that's what I ordered in Spain from the Michelin restaurant, but it was delicious. Would you say um, everybody? What percentage of people on the trail were doing this for a pilgrimage or like a religious experience? Mm -hmm. That's that's a good question. I think if you polled people at the beginning of their pilgrimage and lots of people did different sections or different distances um maybe maybe just over half would say clearly this is a um, spiritually motivated if you pulled people at the end i'm guessing it would be 90s upper 90s where people would say well that wasn't really my intention but sure enough it was it that's, was a spiritual experience that's interesting i mean it's it's definitely the, in my mind, like the spiritual through hike. If you're going to do a spiritual one, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, there's other pilgrimages like to Jerusalem, to Rome. Uh, this one, I think, for many reasons, feels much more accessible. And they call it a thin place. And I was like, I kept hearing that term. And I was like, what? What? And the it's trying to describe that the veil between the ordinary and the extraordinary or the natural and the supernatural is very thin. And I loved that. I loved that image. I think it puts you in a state of mind or of heart where you're, I like to call it kind of like living on tippy toes, living on your tippy toes, like what's getting ready to happen? What's, you know? And um, I think that's part of the draw. I think that's part of the draw of something like this. And so again, you don't have to go to Spain. You you could be in this mindset and walk on the guild trail. Mm -hmm. You really could. And that's why I think to whatever degree people can, I really hope you do. I really hope you do. Do you have any plans for any current, any other um, pilgrimages? A lot of people along the way would say, 
is this your first pilgrimage? And I was like, yes. And I'm thinking only, I don't, you know, I don't know. A lot of people kind of get the bug. I don't really, I, that was plenty for me in that way. I love to travel. So I'm all game for that. But as far as a, um, extended pilgrimage, I don't, I don't feel the need for that. Who knows? Did it, did the trip change your life in any way? I think it changed me and I think, uh, so yes, I wouldn't say I came up with any big new decisions or, um, directions for my life, but I would say I got comfortable in my own skin, which that's a really powerful thing. And to almost not know I didn't know that I wasn't until I felt what it felt like. And it's really good. And we were given our skin. I mean, that that's imagery as well. Like our whole unique personhood, like that we were given that. Like, um, and I have a sticker up on my fridge that said, best be yourself because everyone else is already taken. And I love that. So might as well get comfortable in our own skin and trust that if we're if we use that well like that's we matter and even if we don't use it well i mean you know you can't really measure that but we still matter but to know that you're using your uniqueness well that's pretty cool yeah yeah that's uh that's interesting about the comfortable in your own skin that um, that's what that trip gave you. Would mm-hmm. you also call it confidence or? I would say confidence out of humility. And that's a very different type of yeah. confidence. It's not bravado or like propping up. It's not like positive yeah. thinking. It's It's actually a confidence out of the truth of things, which is that we're loved and that um, we actually, we are loved and we are invited to be love in the world. And that's, so that creates a confidence, but it's out of a very humble place. You seem very calm. Um, Do you have anxiety ever? Of course. And... Uh, my my mind immediately is like, when and why do I feel anxious? Oh, yes, I do. Um, well, this is a great safe place. Like, this is a this is a place that feels very safe and calm. Now, I guess other situations, yeah, I, I'm not this. I'm not this calm. If the bear came in, if the bear came in, oh, you would definitely see a different side of me. Yeah. Um, but I am calm, and I think that that also comes from a humility and maybe a not striving. I don't feel the need to strive. There's a great book by Richard Rohr. Have you heard of him? Richard I've heard Rohr? that name. I don't think I've read anything. It's called Falling Upward, and it's about kind of the second half of life and um, how it's about getting comfortable in your own skin and settling down from the striving and the, um, trying to prove yourself and settling into a knowing that you are valuable and acting out of that instead of 
trying to meet all these standards that the world gives you. Um, I think that's probably because I'm trying to rewind like five years ago. I probably would have been in here talking about all these ideas I have and all these things I want to do. And there's, that's so great. And maybe those will happen, but I don't have to do all of that. So maybe that's where the column is coming, but thank you. I'm receiving that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now, can I ask you some questions? Oh, geez. Yeah. If you want to. Okay. So these are just, they're, they're fun. What's your favorite song? Oh, oh man, I'm not musical. Um, probably something Eminem. That's Eminem, yeah. really? Yes. Yep. Bum, 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 Is that, that recognized? Um, Mom's Spaghetti song? Yes, that's the Mom's yeah, Spaghetti. Yeah. That's a great song. <laughs> it's a good song. Wow, Eminem. I yeah. wouldn't have guessed that. Yep. Okay. Um, most beautiful place you've been in the world? Oh, that's going to be hard. You can do two. You can do three. Um, most beautiful place I've been in the world. I'm going to say Lake Turkana, Kenya. It's beautiful in an ugly way. It's barren. It's mostly brown. There's nothing there. And then there's this lake. Have you ever seen a lake where there's no grass around it? I don't think so. That's Lake Turkana. Oh, wow. Um, Lake Turkana in Kenya. Yep. Kenya. Hmm. Um, I like, for me, beauty is, um more uniqueness so i'm thinking of more unique landscapes that i've seen so yeah that says a lot about you yeah uh what makes a good friend oh if you can have a conversation with them i mean it's talk i'll talk that's it yeah what is some very specific detail or characteristic about chattanooga that you appreciate oh the culture is the culture at least that I'm a part of is outdoors and be healthy mm-hmm. and where I came from it was not that at all that's so it's very important for me it's hard to imagine this is kind of the air we breathe here mm-hmm. so it's kind of hard to imagine something else mm-hmm. well yay Chattanooga yeah Chattanooga that way pretty, right Chattanooga's pretty nice that's right um when is the last time you got your hair cut oh about a month ago really yeah because it's pretty long it's pretty long it's cool um it's my second paid haircut i've had in probably 10 years i used to just have friends cut it or something and i splurging now and i have a i've just been going to a place yeah I might get you to tell my husband what place you go to because he's got long hair right yeah. now and, he, and we're trying to figure out what to do. So if y'all know my husband, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You probably <laughs> see him walking down the street and you're like, yeah. okay, yep. He hadn't gotten his hair cut in a while. That's, um, it's over by Publix, uh, great clips or something. Really? Just some generic. Yeah, yeah. It's a place. Yeah. Great. That's where I go. That's great. And one more question. And the haircut thing, why I started going there was they were the only place, um, that would, take cut my hair and send it for me to the donation place because i've done that a couple times now really um most places they'll cut it and they'll give it to you and you have to send it off but i'm a little lazy so they they actually keep it and send it for you well shout out to great clips and they give you the haircut for free if you donate it if you donate it yeah yeah okay so how many inches do you have to they need kind of long i think they need like 10 your hair's been that long uh, la- 
last time, no, no I didn't donate. I've been okay. paying. Okay. But okay. yeah, I've donated to them before. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Nice. Yep. Uh, one more question would be, oh, here's this. How about you say it? Because I could ask you a thousand questions. Yeah. But... You know the question you most want to be asked. Really? So what question do you want me to ask you? I don't know. I'm a little nervous. Usually people don't ask me questions. <laughs> I don't know if I... There's uh, something. There's something, Luke. You're putting me on the spot. Uh-huh. I'm just going to... I like to deflect. We already talked about this we did. off the air. We did. You're getting me. Oh. So before we started this podcast, um, you taught me... And I'm going to avoid this whole thing by telling the story. You taught me when you were in Morocco, mm-hmm. you were taught how to, when someone gives you a compliment, you physically hold your hands out like a bowl. That's right. You say, I'm receiving this compliment. And then you put the compliment on your head like a little helmet. Yes. And like it's oil, like, it, yes. like you've, like the um, compliment has become oil like yeah. sweet oil or you know something like this cool water you could do that too mm-hmm. and it's in your hands and you take it above your head and you almost try to feel it coming down you know coming down on your head and, and dripping you, down and you challenged me to do that and i just candidly say i'm not so great at taking compliments mm-hmm. and uh i def- i do like to deflect so the question now is are you still <laughs> trying to deflect the Absolutely. question 100% <laughs> Okay, so here's my challenge. Thank you. I, what's when the you know the question, yeah, you say it. I'll, okay, I'll interrupt you okay, and say I got my <laughs> question. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna get it over with. I'm gonna, um, I'm just gonna say, uh, ask me if uh, a weird thing people don't know about me that I can do, and I'm gonna say I can. Wait, I gotta ask. Okay. Hey, Luke. <laughs> What's a weird thing that you can do that people don't know about you? I can ride a unicycle about 100 feet. Nice. Now, part now, B. Geez. Is it one of the really high ones or is it is it just, you know? It's a, it's a little one. It's a little it's one. It's a 20-inch wheel, but um, I am interested in buying a bigger wheel. The bigger wheels, you can go faster and they're easier to balance. Are they really? Yeah. Okay, okay, I can see that. Yeah, so I'm, in, I'm thinking about getting a bigger one. Do you ride around town? No, I ride about once a year. Okay. I just, it's in the garage and people see it and it's kind of like a thing you pull out and it's just a whatever. I am so happy to know that about you. <laughs> I think, I think we probably all are. I'm just waiting. I think we all are. I'm just waiting for the segment to end. That's why I, I didn't want to wait. I'm just like, I'm just going to force one Let's out. Let's just go. Let's just go. get it over with. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm like, my face is red. I'm thank like you. It sweating. is. It is. So cute. I don't like talking about myself. <laughs> Anyway, oh, man. you got me distracted. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's talk more. Um, what's next? Now I'm now I'm nervous. Oh, you're nervous. Okay, so see, this is good. When he talks about traveling and trying mm-hmm. to remember, you know, other people and other positions, he's getting a taste of what it feels like to be in the other chair mm-hmm. during these recordings, mm-hmm. and that you get kind of nervous. And you, you know, but it's good. It's a good nervous, isn't it? Like it's good because it's a chance to speak. It's a chance to be heard. It's good to be nervous because, well, it's good to do things that um, are difficult for yourself mm-hmm. uh, to overcome things. It's great to overcome public speaking, um, listening to your own voice on a podcast, um, 
going back to what you said, that makes you more comfortable in your own skin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's right. It's good to challenge. It's yourself. how we grow. So thank you for challenging me. Okay. Well, appreciate it. <laughs> his, he's got the oil and the water on his head now. I see it, and he's smiling still. So yay. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> um. Anything. Okay. Do you, you so you brought your trapper keeper? I brought my trapper keeper. Do you want to read? us a little bit i i would and i know what i want to read because i think it's just so in line with what you're doing and um so it's i the title is ubuntu and that is what does that mean an african term that means i and you and you and me and it's basically a way of understanding ourselves that we were never meant to be created as islands it's kind of my mom always says it takes a bad day to know a good day so you you have to have contrast to know light you have to know dark Mm -hmm. and so forth so i think we as people um we were given each other to really understand ourselves better and and the other and be love and be loved. That's a little bit of the yin and the yang principle. I would, I think that's fair. Absolutely. Um, and so this story is about, um, it's about that experience while walking. And it's, um, I think it's a, I think it's a really wonderful, it's, it's not just a concept, it's truth. It's just that we kind of forget it <laughs> a lot of times. So I wanted to write, in a way that would encourage um, us to remember. I need to get my glasses because I am 51 and that's one of the things that happens. So, okay, Ubuntu. Over the course of the Camino, I had, I thought the phrase, I'm going to eat my shoes so many times that it turned into a little jingle that I can recall to this day. I will not sing it right now. This night, I was beyond hungry as I stumbled into a restaurant off one of the main roads of Nyherta. Tonight, I would eat alone, which is typically fine with me. This night, though, the peace of my solo meal was repeatedly interrupted by the party at a nearby table. My back was to them, and I would not make out, I could not make out what they were saying, but I could tell it was a group of women. There was a steady flow of storytelling, which was regularly punctuated by rounds of laughter. I got more and more curious to get a visual on this group, but did not want to risk an all-out swivel that might blow my cover. So I tried the trick my mom used at the dinner table when she was little. Her assigned seat meant that her back was to the television. The rules of the house were that you could not leave the table nor turn around until you had finished your dinner. So she developed a brilliant tactic of holding her knife up and angling it just so, so she could kind of see what was on the TV screen in the reflection. I quickly realized that was back in the days of using the sterling silver that your grandmother passed down to your mother, which was shiny enough to actually reflect an image. This night, my knife was more modest, sufficient for actually cutting food, but not suited for covert ops. So I started a reconnaissance tactic and got up to go to the bathroom. 
As I passed their table, I pulled the oldest trick in the spy book of dropping my sunglasses and then taking the extra moment to tie my shoe. I was so sly that in the extra moments I created, I gathered three important pieces of information. One, that this was a group of six lively Irish friends. Two, that they were also walking the Camino. And three, that I really wanted to become friends with them. But how? While in the loo, my heart floated back over the Atlantic to a similar group of six friends who have known and loved each other since high school. They became part of my strategy. I would say to the Irish women as I walked back by their table, you know, you remind me of someone I know. And then they would ask who, and I would tell them about my friends, and then I wouldn't seem creepy. But I'm rusty at pickup lines, so what actually came out of my mouth was, you know, I remind you of someone you know, which was followed by an awkward pause and puzzled looks. But the spell was broken by the warmth of the Irish spirit when one of the women said, well, better have a seat with us while we figure out who it is you remind us of. I adored this group of women. They take a regular trip annually to walk a section of the Camino together, and they brighten every square foot they pass. The last time I saw them, they told me they had coined a phrase in my honor. When someone would ask a thought-provoking question, they would say, now that's a holly. Thank you, Irish lasses. That means a lot. I experienced Ubuntu with a British couple named John and Jackie. I'm going to go back a little bit. I experienced with this group of Irish women that although I had chosen to walk alone, I knew that I was never truly alone. If you've ever heard of the concept of Ubuntu, it's time. This is something I think we know deep inside, but have trained ourselves to think otherwise. It is an understanding of humanity that knows that no one can be human alone that my humanity is bound up in your humanity and yours in mine. There is an African idiom which says that a person is a person through other persons, that human life is meant to be shared and that we learn how to be human through association with other humans. It is the undergirding of true community. Once you begin to see it, you see it everywhere. And more than see it, though, you experience it. I experienced Ubuntu with a British couple named John and Jackie. They were some of the most genuine and genuinely caring people I've ever met. I was just learning the power of the pause and had wandered off the path and up onto a freshly harvested hill of hay. I think we all sensed a kindredness when they saw me basking in the sun with my shoes off. I'll never forget asking John to send my husband a birthday wish as he had recently turned 50. He said with all sincerity, as a fact of his life and as a blessing on ours, it just gets better. That was the only time I spent with Jackie and John, but as you can tell, it's a treasure to me. I experienced Ubuntu at other times as well. There were all new experiences of Ubuntu, but here and there, I would see someone from a distance who looked like someone from home. My heart would leap at the thought of the Ubuntu of my home and hometown, which is alive and well. I love my people. It made me begin to imagine what my people would be like if they too were on this pilgrimage. So then in the 
story, I literally go through my friends from here and my husband and my mom and, um, and just tried to imagine them on the Camino and what they would be like if I met them as strangers along the Camino, what, what would I think of them? What would they be doing? So that was really, really fun. Um, I remember a conference where we were invited to participate in a dance. It was called a dance for universal peace, big title, big learning experience. Following the instructions, we formed two circles and grasped hands in a certain pattern with those near us. For each individual, the movements were so simple, yet because there were many of us, it felt quite intricate. I was struck by the experience because I was only a small part, but because I was part of the group, I got to participate in something extraordinary. I couldn't do more than I could where I was, but because I was doing my part, the whole incredible dance held and was striking. Walking on the Camino de Santiago feels kind of like this. All the pilgrims walking along the way, like we are part of a dance. Not in a circle this time, but more like the Virginia Reel, a long, weaving line all the way across northern Spain. It reminds me of how the kingdom of God might be, but not just here in this time and place, but throughout the whole history of the world. True Ubuntu. If I could zoom up into the sky and be able to see all of the overlaps and connections in the history of the world, I'm pretty sure it would resemble this kind of dance, and it would be magnificent. God give us eyes to see and feet to dance. That's a beautiful story. Check out Ubuntu and the whole concept. It's really powerful. And he says an African... Um, idiotism is that what it's called yes um, it's a it's a philosophy you know what's interesting is that they this is part of the air I think that some cultures breathe and we have so embraced individualism that we've kind of forgotten that this is actually the deeper truth of being alive is, is how much we need each other and and what a gift we are to each other so that's why I love the the concept. It's nothing new. It's actually really old and it's not something someone made up. It's just what is and then we either choose to remember it or forget it. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Thank you. Thank you for letting me read that because oh, of course. I you know that's one of those things that I think in this day and age if we if we can encourage each other to live more like that and to see each other more as part of this beautiful uh, dance, what would the world be like? It'd be it'd be great. It'd and be better. It would be better. Um, and that's just one story that you have in that huge Betty Crocker Trapper book, that's right. Trapper Keeper. And, that's um, right. And yeah, if you'd like that, you can. What was your podcast again? It's called Along the Camino. Along the Camino. Mm-hmm. You can look it up. On any podcast platform. That's right. Spotify, Apple. That's and right. hear Holly's musings from her entire five-week journey. That's right. Thank you for that. Yeah. I hope you do look it up because, again, I, I wouldn't have written it if I didn't think it was important. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. You're welcome. Well, thanks for telling me your story. 
It was really fun getting to know you. You too. Um, I'm not going to thank you for asking me those questions and putting me on the spot, but it was good for me. Well, good. And uh, the first kind of interaction I had with Luke was um, emailing him and it auto-corrected his name, Luke, to like, Yep. which is going to stick with me. And then I shared with him that often my name, Holly, is auto-corrected to holler, which mm-hmm. I actually love that too. So that's, that's just a fun <laughs> Well, we're in the South, so yeah. there's lots of hollers here. There's lots of hollers. Well, thanks for coming on the show. It's great Thank talking to you. Thank you so much, Luke. And keep going, and um, let's just let's be the best Chattanooga we can be. Absolutely. That's great. All right. Bye. Bye. And there you have it. Holly Brock. She's a really special human. That was a fun conversation, minus when she put me on the spot. But uh, well played, Holly. Well played. Um, If you like the podcast, please tell your friends. Word of mouth is wonderful. You can also leave a five-star review on Apple Apple Podcasts or write out a review. That's the best. Um, It's very helpful. Otherwise, tune in next Friday for the next show. Bye.